Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast that brings you the headlines of the day with the help of our correspondents from around the world. I'm Tian Yun. Coming up in this edition, officials in South Africa are investigating what caused the fatal fire in Johannesburg that killed over 70 people. The African Union has suspended Gabon's membership in response to Wednesday's military coup, and Russia's foreign minister says Moscow is ready to return to the Black Sea grain deal if its demands are met. We begin in Africa. The fatal fire in downtown Johannesburg, South Africa, has killed 70 people. It occurred in the early hours of Thursday, and local authorities are investigating how the fire started in the first place. For years, Johannesburg has been battling a serious housing problem. As many as 100,000 people are estimated to be living illegally in abandoned places known as hijacked buildings. South African President Cyril Ramaphosa has called the incident a great tragedy. Sumitra Naidu reports. From the scene, I'm standing in the Johannesburg CBD in front of the five-story building that was engulfed by flames. From what we understand so far, police are still investigating. They don't know where the fire started or how the fire started. They did say that it began in the far right of the building and made its way through in.、Um, But we've also heard through the day, speaking to、uh, different people, to the Johannesburg councillors, that、uh, many of the fire escapes inside the building were locked and people couldn't get through it. So if you look at visuals of the building, you'll see blankets and sheets hanging out of the windows, people trying to escape and even jump、um, from the second and third stories of this building. Right now,、um, we are waiting for more news from the police on their investigations. In the meantime, this incident has started a political debate, one that has been going on for many years over the Johannesburg CBD and the buildings that's in the CBD. So this refers to hijacked buildings. This is when buildings are taken over by illegal occupants. So the DA is now saying that, you know, the death of people lies squarely on the hands of the ANC, because they should have、uh, ensured that the bylaws were enforced, that people weren't allowed to be in the building. The ANC, in their reaction, have said that illegal occupants shouldn't have been in the building in the first place. Now, a lot of these buildings, there's over a hundred buildings in the Johannesburg CBD that belongs to the Johannesburg Property Company, obviously under ownership of the provincial government, that are now being occupied by not only local people but also illegal residents coming and finding housing and shelter. In these buildings, that was Sumitra Naidu reporting from Johannesburg. Still in Africa, the African Union has suspended Gabon's membership following the military coup this week. General Bryce Oligwe Hengema, the coup leader and former head of the Presidential Guard, is expected to be sworn in as transitional president on Monday. The military takeover occurred after Gabon's disputed elections, in which President Ali Bongo Ondimba secured a third term. This coup has ended the Bongo family's almost six decades of rule. It's also created a new dilemma for West and Central African nations, which have struggled to deal with coups since 2020. Marlene Mbina reports on public reactions in the Gabonese capital. The reactions are fifty-fifty. Some 
I mean, the um, majority of the population are happy with the fact that the military troops take the control and put the whole government aside. But other people are kind of, they are thinking, they, are, they have many options in their head, like what's going to happen next? Is it true? Is it uh, a plot? I mean, they have a lot of theories. They are not really convicted. They think, I mean, if the military are in charge, are we going to be safe? Is it going to be okay? Military troops gave a new communication. First, uh, the president is going to take a swan at the Constitutional Court the September 4th. Second one, they take a call to all the secretary and general directors of all the ministries, administration, and society in the, in the country to go back to work, to put things in place, to assure the transition, time for them to gaze and constitute, constitute the new government. So populations are waiting by the fort to see what's going to happen. That was Marlene Mbina in Gabon. Now moving on to the Pacific, Lahaina in Hawaii is now on the slow road to recovery after the deadliest U.S. wildfire in over a century ripped through the historical town last month. At a time when students are returning to school across America, most in Lahaina are not. Alistair Beverstock has the story. With Lahaina reduced to ashes following the wildfire that razed this Hawaiian town, vital services have also gone up in smoke. The fire burned the town's elementary school and the middle and high schools are too close to the burn zone to welcome students back safely. Caroline Aweloa says some 3,000 students in Lahaina have been displaced from their studies following the disaster, but she and her fellow volunteers are working on a solution. There really is no school facility available on, in West Maui right now, and there probably won't be one available for quite a amount of time. We're planning for at least one to two years. Rather than breaking up classes and sending students to other parts of Maui, the community here is working on setting up a temporary school in Napili Park, where the volunteer disaster response has been based. We're having to be very flexible, very creative, very out of the box. We're working together with the county to use this park and um, some very generous don donors for some 40-foot containers so that folks that have found housing on this side can have a school available for their children. Volunteers like Sally Johnston are already running an extended summer camp for impacted kids who still haven't joined new classes on other parts of Maui. These kids are feeling super sad that their friends are in school. Some of them, their friends are missing. So there's a big sense of, of sadness about them. But we do such crazy, fun relay races, art projects, all these things to try to make them feel like they have a semblance of unity in their lives. Community leader Kaipo Kekona is the driving force behind this community disaster response. He says the children's well-being is essential for the community as a whole. Having kids see an opportunity to still keep their spirit strong and proud, um, and that also impacts the parents. And so the mental health and that stability that we need to have our community stay strong starts with your children. Lahaina's youngest have all been impacted by the fire, but the community here says it will do its best not to allow this disaster to derail their childhoods. That was Alastair Beverstock on the aftermath of the Hawaiian wildfire, which has killed over a hundred. Moving on to Europe, 
The Russian foreign minister says his country is ready to return to the Black Sea grain deal if its demands are met, but that there are no signs of this happening. Sergey Lavrov made the comment during a meeting with his Turkish counterpart in Moscow on Thursday. The two foreign ministers also discussed an alternative to the grain deal and the upcoming meeting between their presidents. Dasha Chernyshova has more from Moscow. The alternative to the Black Sea grain deal has been discussed in the meeting between the Russian foreign minister Sergei Lavrov and his Turkish counterpart Hakan Fidan. Now, this alternative that has been proposed by Moscow uh, suggests that Russia will be exporting up to a million tons of grain to Turkey and then uh, this will be exported at a discounted price. There will be the financial support of Qatar and uh, this grain will then be processed in Turkey and sent to the poorest countries in need from Turkey. So uh, this is seen in Moscow as a working alternative to the Black Sea grain deal. But also we understand that Ankara is interested in bringing Russia back to the Black Sea grain deal, to this arrangement, saying that um, this was at the core of the discussions between the two foreign ministers. But with regard to that, the Russian position remains unchanged. Moscow wants to see some, uh, not promises, but real deeds, some concrete guarantees. And they were absent when it comes to the implementation of the Russia-UN memorandum, according to the Russian foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. Another issue that the sides have been touching upon, who, as we understand from the Russian Foreign Minister, was the so-called uh, peace formula of uh, Vladimir Zelensky. And uh, indeed, these are the issues that are being raised at the technical level between the foreign ministers, but they are preparing for the bilateral meeting at the highest level. We have heard from the Turkish Foreign Minister that this will be taking place in the Russian Black Sea Resort city of Sochi. We don't have the date yet for these meeting, but certainly this is what these two foreign ministers are laying ground for. We also understand that in those discussions, certainly the sides will be touching upon the issues of the Black Sea grain deal. In the meeting that we are expecting between the Russian president and his Turkish counterpart, uh, we also understand that the issues related to the regional agenda as well as international agenda will be brought up. But of course, uh, all eyes are on what will be decided when it comes to the Black Sea grain deal and any potential arrangements on grain. That was Dasha Chernyshova in Moscow. Finally in China, Benin's president is on a state visit to China until Sunday. It's Patrons Talon's third time in China since he took office in 2016 and the first visit in five years. Beijing says the trip will strengthen cooperation in various sectors and bring bilateral relations to a higher level. Sun Ye has more. Just a quick update on President Taiwan's uh, agenda here. Chinese President Xi Jinping is expected to hold a banquet for President Taiwan and Chinese Premier Li Qiang will meet with the African leader. And China's Foreign Ministry also said President Taiwan will also attend the Global Trading Services Summit and that service trade fair will kick off Saturday in Beijing. That was Sun Ye on the state visit to China by Benin's president. Trade between China and Benin has been more robust for the past few years, with total volume up by 40% in 2021 to reach $1.4 billion. For more insight, senior research fellow Zhang Yongpeng with the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences speaks about how bilateral ties are likely to progress in the future. Uh, Beijing has actively uh, supported the construction of the uh, Better Road Initiative and uh, didn't uh, join the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank, and uh, a high uh, it has a high recognition of China's uh, development path, and of course this is based on the uh, 
on the foundation that uh, uh, the China and uh, Benin has the traditional close uh, friendship and relationship and the economic uh, cooperation and the political uh, support each other. And as uh, one of the African countries for uh, uh, the, in the development uh, of uh, economy and so faster uh, up to now, Beijing is expected to set up the, an example for China-Africa cooperation. And uh, as an African country with a rapid uh, development, and uh, we, we set it uh, uh, in the f future, and especially through this visit, uh, for example, the uh, development and experience exchanges and the national uh, development path and uh, uh, high technical uh, maybe the agreement will be signed and uh, the uh, trade agreement and especially the economic uh, uh, development uh, uh, parks, industrial parks including. And, uh, and especially also uh, in the respect of uh, uh, infrastructure uh, construction, uh, I think in, in this respect uh, will be strengthened. And furthermore, uh, we should say that uh, as one of the developing countries, and especially uh, the development situation is better, uh, Benin could uh, join the uh, south uh, in the north and the south and uh, that is to say sometimes to some extent uh, we should say the global south that was Zhang Yongpeng of the Institute of West Asian and African Studies commenting on future relations between China and Benin still in China the National Weather Authorities have issued a red alert, the highest in the four-tier warning system, as Typhoon Saola strengthens en route to the southern province of Guangdong. Not far behind Saola are Typhoon Haikui and Tropical Storm Kirogi, which are also approaching China's southern and eastern coasts. The impact of the three cyclones will see gusty winds and heavy rain lash Guangdong and the provinces of Fujian and Zhejiang. Fujian authorities have evacuated over 100,000 residents to safer ground. In Guangdong, businesses and schools were ordered to close, and the city of Shenzhen has suspended all flights from noon Friday. Meanwhile, over 360 flights have been cancelled in nearby Hong Kong. Omar Khan has more. It's a bit hard for me to open my eyes as the wind blows into my face right now. Uh, it is set to hit Shenzhen and parts of Hong Kong, moving down into uh, Zhongshan and perhaps Jiangmen. But here in Shanwei City, we are finally feeling the effect of this typhoon. The winds now in the radius we're in are hitting around level 10. Now, trying to get back to some of my notes here. City authorities in, uh, in the city have closed all of the schools. The semester was meant to begin uh, to, uh, earlier, uh, later this week, I should say, but that has all been postponed. 12 cities across the province of Guangdong postponing the beginning of that academic year. Of course, construction, other business operations have also been suspended here in Shanwei and most likely to other parts uh, of Guangdong. Now, this is a uh, high-level uh, high super typhoon, so the impacts have been severe. Of course, those individuals, those people, residents uh, living in vulnerable housing, they've been moved to safer grounds. Trains between Guangzhou, Shenzhen, southern eastern parts of the province of Guangdong, that has all been suspended uh, going into the weekend and perhaps earlier next week. Baoan International Airport in Shenzhen, that is also uh, suspending flights starting around noontime. That was Omar Khan reporting from the southern province of Guangdong. Now a recap of the top stories. 
officials in South Africa are investigating what caused the fatal fire in Johannesburg that killed over 70 people. President Cyril Ramaphosa has called it a great tragedy. The African Union has suspended Gabon's membership in response to Wednesday's military coup in the country. And Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov says Moscow is ready to return to the Black Sea grain deal if its demands are met. And that concludes this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports, and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Tian Yu. Thank you for listening.